0: So, today is the first in our series of talks this course. Today, being an even numbered day, we'll uh, be listening to a talk in English today. Because it's the first talk, I thought I'd give some of the basics about Vipassana meditation. So, starting with information on what is mindfulness and why we're practicing mindfulness, or what are the benefits of the practice of meditation. So for those of you who are just coming, maybe it's not clear exactly why we're practicing, or what we stand to benefit, what we stand to gain as a result of of the practice of mindfulness, the practice of vipassana meditation. Altogether, the Lord Buddha said... The practice of mindfulness is for the purpose of realizing five goals. And so when we practice medit- uh, mindfulness meditation, or mi- uh, mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of the feelings, mindfulness of the mind, and mindfulness of the dhammas, or the various uh, states or various uh, qualities of mind and objects of the mind and so on, the various realities that arise in the present moment. The Lord Buddha said, this is the the ekaya namaka. It's either the one way, the only way. Uh, It's the way you have to go by yourself. It's the way that leads only to one destination. It's a very direct way. It's a practice which doesn't lead you down side roads. It's a practice which stops you from following after the wrong way of practice. and he said it's the it's the 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 only way or it's the one way to reach these five goals which is uh, the purification of the mind uh, the overcoming of all sorts of mental sicknesses uh, depression sorrow sadness mourning uh, stress and worry and fear it's the way for overcoming bodily pain and mental pain and it's the way to attain the right path, it's the way to find freedom. These five things are the the benefits which we hope to get from the practice. So when we practice mindfulness meditation our mind becomes more pure than it was before. We find ourselves more patient, more able to stand up and face unpleasant situations without getting angry, without getting upset. We also find we're able to uh, withstand the, this temptation of all sorts of addictive things, <clears throat> all sorts of sensual pleasures, not only drugs and, and um, narcotics, but also the, the more subliminal uh, sensual pleasures, which become very, very addictive for us which we find ourselves chasing after again and again, wanting to see certain things, wanting to hear certain sounds, wanting to have pleasant smells and tastes and touches. In the practice of meditation, our mind becomes pure, so we're simply aware of the object. Our mind is fixed, is focused simply on the reality of the object. This is sort of the meaning of mindfulness. Our mind is full, or we've... uh, We've got a full mind, a full awareness of the object. This is the Lord Buddha used the word bachanāti, We know fully, when we know thoroughly. That when we know something, we don't just know it and then go on to like it or dislike it. We know it fully. We know it totally and completely, just as it is. Meaning the complete awareness. Uh, what it is is everything that we know. Or our mind is completely aware of it when we're completely aware of something for what it is then it, it can no longer be good or bad or tempting or uh, upsetting it simply is what it is and we're able to see it for what it is so our mind the, the very most important benefit that we gain from the practice is that our mind becomes pure this is sometimes not so evident to beginner meditators why this should be an important goal. But the reason is because the purity of mind which we gain from meditation is that which leads to all the other benefits. When you have a pure mind, you get so many benefits and so much um, improvement in your, your life, in who you are, in your future. It changes the way we look at the world. It changes how we uh, live in this world. And how does it do that? Well, there's four other things that, that it brings along with it. So when our mind is pure through the practice of mindfulness. The second thing is that we are able to overcome all sorts of mental sicknesses. When use the word mental sickness, we some of these we don't uh we don't recognize as mental sicknesses, but when you look at it from a, a point of view when you look at it, really these things are Uh, a sort of a mental sickness. They're a state of mind which is upset, which is not natural, which is not pure. States like depression, anxiety, worry, stress, uh, mourning, uh, all all sorts of of fear, any kind of mental uh, illness, mental upset. We call these uh, all of these... Uh, mental conditions. Sometimes people even take medication for them. But in all all of these things, in their entirety, that causes so much suffering, just from having a mind so laden with these unwholesome or unpleasant states. Uh, all of them come stem from this impurity of mind. The fact that we don't see things purely for what they are. We don't have this fixed awareness on the reality. Our mind, instead of fixing on the reality, it tumbles and it spins around and it floats uh, in and out of reality. It floats from uh, the reality onto all sorts of imagination. It, it, it spins. You know, we say uh, puts a spin on things. So the mind is not fixed. The mind is not focused. The mind is not stable. And so it floats and it flips and it flies around and create so much more out of such simple realities, and this is what makes us depressed. This is which makes us uh, uh, stressed and worried and afraid and so on. Insomnia, uh, many many mental conditions, which we we don't really uh, have to face, which are, which shouldn't really be a problem for us. And in fact, if you look at the people, most people who are stressed and worried and afraid and uh, insomniac and depressed uh, most of these people really have nothing no big reason to experience these you know their life is not that bad and so it's clear that they are making much more of reality than it actually is in fact you see people who are very well off living in very extreme states of suffering and on the other hand you have people living in squalor living in living with nothing and they can be quite happy free from the, the mental sickness. So the meditation helps us. This is the, the first thing that comes when our mind is pure, is that we're able to get rid of all of these terrible mind states. The next thing is suffering goes away. The suffering is, is connected with all of these mind states, these mental sicknesses. But to put it briefly, the bodily suffering and mental suffering are both overcome through the practice of meditation in all their various forms. Uh, mental suffering is clear. When our mind is pure, then obviously we're not upset, we're not angry at at uh, things which used to make us upset or angry. But bodily suffering is a little more complicated. Obviously, in the beginning, the bodily suffering doesn't go away. In fact, when we practice meditation, often it creates bodily suffering because we're new to the practice, we're new to the sitting meditation, and because we're sitting through the the conditions instead of running away from them. Normally, when a painful, painful, uh, a, a pain arises in the body, we we immediately change our posture. We immediately find try to find a way to get away from the pain. And in the meditation practice, we don't do that. We try to sit through it, be patient with it, and to come to overcome the pain. So, in the beginning, all we can hope to do is to get rid of the mental sickness or the mental pain. You know, when we're sitting and we have, we have pain, we have to accept it. If we don't accept it, then this is the suffering in the mind. The Lord Buddha said it's like someone who is uh, hit with a, with a sharp object, and there's a sharp object embedded in their flesh, and then they take another sharp ob- object and try to gouge it out, like a thorn. If there's a thorn in your flesh, in your body, and then you take another thorn to try to get it out. And this is like, gives you twice as much pain. He said, for someone who is able to uh, see the pain just simply as pain. So when we say to ourselves, pain, 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 we're fixing the mind simply on the pain. And we come to realize, we come to understand clearly about it. We understand clearly in regards to the pain that it simply is pain. And the mind changes the way it looks at, at the object. But as we practice on, actually we can do away with many different kinds of bodily pain As well Uh, Many of the pains which are caused from stress We can easily overcome these ones Pain in the back, pain in the neck, pain in the head Many of the times these are simply caused by stress Caused by a mind which is unable to let go Which is unable to uh, experience reality simply as it is Which sees things as pleasant or unpleasant And as a result it's never really happy It's never really at peace and eventually, in the end, then we're able to do away with all bodily suffering. But in the beginning, we have to understand that, that we won't be able to just overcome it simply by saying pain, pain, pain. But we will be able to let go of it, let it be, and just experience it for what it is. The next one is that we meditation allows us to get on the right path, to live our lives in the right way. And so this is very important because uh, oftentimes, we're never, not given any instruction on how to live our lives in the right way. Even simple moral precepts are often uh, un, are often unknown to us, and so we've never given a thought to keeping any sorts of sort of morality. We've never thought of any problem in killing. We never thought of a problem in stealing, in cheating, in lying, in taking drugs and alcohol. These things never seemed immoral before, or we heard that they were immoral, but we didn't have any concept that morality was something that was important for us. We think of morality as something that people do because they're, uh, they're um, too serious or too goody-goody or they're, they're, these are people who are too zealous about, in religion or so on, people who are afraid of God or so on. Um, and So we never thought to keep these things and we always thought that our life was fine without them. And we can't understand why you know, there's so much craziness and, and upset in our lives. And then when we come to practice meditation, we come to see how wrong we were and how ignorant we were to the importance of these things. That when we, when we don't keep these things, it creates great suffering both in our minds and in our lives. And so when we sit in meditation, one of the first things that often comes to people is all of the bad things which they've done, you know, things which they've done to other people, uh, all of the things which they've done to hurt others or things which they've done to, uh, to create suffering or to attain their goals in often a very uh, unwholesome way. And they see how, how upsetting these things were. And they feel very guilty. They can often feel very upset about these things. And realizing that it's something that would, which clearly upsets the mind, they give these things up entirely. So meditation is something which sets a person on the right path in many, so many ways because we're mindful, because we're aware and we're, we're experiencing uh, the reality as it is. So we're able to see things in terms of reality, whereas before we saw things in terms of our own benefit. And we do these things for a very short-term pleasure you know, or escaping pain you know, on the short term, not realizing that it's having an effect on, on our psyche, on who we are. So the meditation practice is very clearly something which Allows us to get on the right path. And the final one is it allows us to be free. We, we generally think of freedom as freedom to do whatever we want. But here freedom means that we are not, we are not slaves. We're not slaves to our own, our own minds. It means we don't need to get this and we don't need to get that. We don't need to push ourselves to so, so far. The, in fact, the more we practice, the more we realize we don't really need to do anything. There's no one goal that we have to accomplish. We're so free because we don't need anything. We don't need this, we don't need that. There's nothing that we have to do. We can't say you have to be this or you have to be that. You have to accomplish this, accomplish that. When we practice the meditation, we're able to be free. We're able (coughs) to be free from anger. So we don't have to hate. We don't have to uh, cause suffering for ourselves and others and just. destroy our families, destroy friendships. We aren't slaves to our, our desires, needing to get this, needing to get that. We're all like, often like drug addicts in our, in our addiction to things, our addiction to pleasant sensations. And we're, we become free from our views, we be free from opinions and conceits, we become free from all sorts of delusions, all sorts of ignorance. Ignorance is a very, uh, a very heavy trap that we are, we, are, we are caught in, a very strong bind. It's something which is uh, imprisoning us. And because we don't know, then we, we do so many things in the wrong way. And when we're free from that, then we're free from all of the suffering which comes from doing things in the wrong way, doing things in a way which leads to stress and leads to suffering. So these five things are the reason why we practice. So if anyone's wondering, uh, why is it that we practice meditation? Well, this is the first important thing to understand. So there are some very significant benefits which come from the practice of meditation. And the second thing I want to talk about is, so how do we really practice? mean, here we are, walking and sitting, and we've got these words that we have to say, but it's not really maybe clear in the beginning exactly what... What quality of mind we're trying to create? What should we be doing? What should our mind be doing? So the Lord Buddha gave us these four objects of attention. The body, the feelings, the mind, and the Dhamma. The, the various teachings, various groups of things. And he said that in regards to these things, for instance the body, we should see in the body, we should see the body in the body. Kaya, Nupasi, Viharati. We should dwell, Viharati. We should dwell as one who sees the body in the body. Uh, this, this is something I have to explain because it's, it's not evidently clear. Some people even misunderstand that somehow we got to see little bodies inside of our body or we see a, an inner body in, in the outer body. But what it means, Kaye means in regards to the body, we see it simply as body. Right? So normally when we see the body, we think of it as uh, me or, or a person. When we watch the foot, we think of it as our foot. When we think of it as something that's not, re- not really there. In the ancient times they said, what is seen he doesn't see. What he sees it isn't seen. This is how the ordinary person looks at things. What is seen is the body. But we don't see that. Uh, we, uh, we don't see instead a foot. We see instead, of we, we see instead of all of these concepts. And I'll explain exactly, there's a difference between the concept and the reality. So normally we'll see things as, so when we have pain, for instance. Instead of seeing it as pain, we see it as good or as bad or as a problem or as sickness. You know, for instance, when you're very sick, you start to think, oh, I've got this sickness and so on and so on. But we don't see the reality of it. What we're really seeing is conditions, is states. So the Lord Buddha said, when we watch the body, we have to see it only as body. We have to see just the body. So when the foot is moving, when we say to ourselves, step, being right, the purpose is so that the mind sees only the movement, sees only the reality of it. So that what is seen, we see that. What we see is is what is seen. The feeling... We don't make more of it than it actually is. We don't see something else, like for instance, when you step on a rope. If you ever stepped on a rope, sometimes you can you get shocked and you think it's a snake that you've stepped on, but actually it's just a rope. And this is something they, an example they always use to say that our, our mind is so good at seeing things that aren't so good at seeing things that aren't there that we miss what is really there. So what we're practicing is simply to see what is really there. In terms of the body, in terms of the feelings, in terms of the mind—for instance, when we're thinking, thoughts that can be thoughts can be very uh, deceptive and very enticing. They can lead us into so many different uh, traps, and uh, they can catch us up in their power, take us away, and get us, lead us to doubts, lead us to views, lead us to worries, lead us to. Uh, distractions, but in the end, they're only thoughts. And so, when we see the mind, when we see in the the mind in the mind, in regards to the mind, we see the mind. In regards to the thoughts, we see a thought. when we say to ourselves, "Thinking, thinking." This this creates this clear thought, clear awareness, this full knowledge, seeing the seeing the thought for what it is. And the hindrance, the dhammas. All of these different groups, starting with the hindrances. So when you like something, instead of seeing seeing this as a, uh, a reason to chase after something, you see it as liking. So dhamme dhamma nupasi, you see the dhamma in the dhamma. When you When you experience liking, you see it for liking. You see it as liking, you don't see it as anything else, as a reason to do this or that. When you have disliking, you don't see it as a reason to get angry or to go and, and say or do bad things. You see it simply as disliking. This is why we say to ourselves, liking, liking. It fixes the mind on that quality of it which is real, the liking. When there's disliking, we see it as disliking. We say to ourselves, disliking, disliking. This, another thing it does is it straightens the mind up. Because the mind is all crooked and it wants to make all these excuses why uh, we should be doing something else. It wants to lead us after all of these uh, sensual pleasures and wants to convince us that we have to get away from all of these bad things and we have to be always running away and running after. And so we say the mind is crooked and what we're doing here is like, like when you hit hot, st- hot steel, you know, when they go and they bang on the steel. They're trying to make it straight and smooth. And so what we're trying to do here is, is make the mind straight. Straight means straight in line with the object so that it simply knows the object. Because our mind is all crooked and bent out of shape. So a way of looking at why do we have this word that we use again and again and again. It straightens the mind. Right? When we dislike something, there's only, there's only disliking there. There's no should, shouldn't, right, wrong. There's only disliking. When we feel drowsy, so we say to ourselves, drowsy, drowsy. When we feel distracted, we say, distracted, distracted. When we have doubt say, doubting, doubting, doubting. We see these things, dhamme, dhamma, nupasi, and we see the dhamma. When we have a dhamma arise, a, a, a reality or a thing, dhamma just means thing. When something arises, it could be anything, we see only that thing. We see nothing else there, there's no more there. So this is this is the explanation of what we do with these things. Now, what's the quality that we the quality of mind that we need when we make the acknowledgement, when we use the acknowledgement, when we are practicing mindfulness? Lord Buddha said there's three qualities. We need ātāpi, which means um, effort. It really means uh, heat. Adapi is something we need. We need to get uh, hot. We need to become um, sort of like on fire. But it's again just an expression that's used in Pali. It really means energy. We need to be energetic, you could say. Sampachano, we need to know clearly. We need to know thoroughly and totally and perfectly. And Satima, we need to to be mindful. Or Satima, Sati really doesn't exactly mean mindfulness. It's just an English translation. It means something like remembrance or recollection. to recollect something. And here it means we're, able, we're, we're recollecting, the, the in this case, specifically recollecting the reality. So we're able to call to mind. When, it, when something arises, we're able to catch it for what it is. We're able to catch up the reality of it in our minds. So when we see something, we don't say, oh, that's a bird or that's a duck or that's a dog or that's a person. We're, we catch seeing. Right? We, we recollect it for what it is. We have a recollection that, that catches it, catches the reality of it. We're able to recollect the reality of it. We're not, we don't forget what it is. Mindfulness means not forgetting. So let's go over these. First we'll go, we'll start at the beginning. Though. Effort, or ener- being energetic. This is the first one. So in the practice of meditation, the first thing we have to understand is it's, it's going to be hard work. This is important to understand. Meditation is hard work. It's not something that's easy or simple. If it were, we'd all be enlightened. What we're doing here is it's is not just coming for a vacation, it's coming to train ourselves. I mean, if it, if it were really easy, we wouldn't have ever had to come here. We just would have sort of picked it up as we went along. Meditation is something that the, whole, the most of the world is missing. And it's because we're missing this that we create so much suffering for ourselves and for other people. When we practice meditation, we're doing something very special and it's something which takes great energy. We have to uh, often get all heated up. We have to make a great effort. But here the great effort is not that we have to push ourselves beyond our limits. We just have to stop ourselves from getting lazy, stop ourselves from falling back into this pattern of simply going with the flow and letting things... Uh, letting our minds follow after things, or letting our minds uh, get angry, letting ourselves get caught up in these cycles which are unwholesome and unpleasant and causes for suffering. We have to be able to take take the bull by its horns, you say, or grab the reins and take charge of our life, take charge of, of our future, of our destiny. It's kind of like that. That's sort of what it means here. So that when something arises, we're going to effect a change in, in the way we look at things. We need to have this state of confidence and effort, this state of uh, uh, willingness to do the, do the work, so that when we move our foot, we're not just walking and letting our minds wander. Our minds are with the foot. When we're sitting, and we're not just letting our mind wander. Anytime we sit down, our minds are actually here and now and in the present moment. Either it's with the body, or it can be with, with feelings, with pain that arises. Simply knowing the pain, reminding ourselves, what is the pain? Being able to recollect it, not forgetting that it's only pain. You see, this is the... Anyway, this is the, the first one is effort. The second part is that we need to know clearly and thoroughly the object. Now, this is the, the question that often arises, well, we know the object anyway, why do we have to then go ahead and make this acknowledgement and this is the key difference between the knowing and the, the sampachan sampachano and the satima sampachano means we, we know it fully and clearly and this is the the natural state of the mind anyway it knows it fully and clearly anyway why then do we need to have satima have the awareness the the recollection this is because we know the object only for a second only for a moment and then the next moment, we're already judging it. You see, we're already on to uh, considering the object and wondering whether it's good or bad, and then right away making a judgment about it. It's good, so we chase after it, or it's bad, so we run away from it. If we don't have the settima, the, the the recollection, so that we don't forget, non-forgetfulness. and non-forgetfulness, then our mind right away forgets that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right away, we say, okay, this is pain. But right away we forget that, and we go on, oh, it's bad, it's horrible, I have to do something. We forget the fact that it's just pain. So mindfulness is the third one, satimah, the ability to recollect, to remind ourselves that this is just pain. And so when we say to ourselves, pain, pain, it pulls the mind back, whoa, back, back to where we just were. It keeps our mind from going on to the next step, which is judging, which is uh, considering it and then judging it. And after judging and we act upon it right away. So these three things are very important qualities in the meditation. This is what we have to keep in mind. We need effort. We need uh, to be aware clearly of the object. And we need to have the the mindfulness, the recollection. We have to remind ourselves again and again and again what it is. Like hitting our mind. When our mind wants to run, run away, hitting the mind, straightening the mind out. When the mind gets crooked again straighten it out, straighten it out, pulling it back again and again. There are other qualities which we need, of course. We need concentration, we need confidence. These things are not specifically mentioned. Uh, They're considered not as important, not as uh, crucial in this moment. For instance, concentration is something that, if we emphasize it, sometimes people just push for concentration. Whereas... We're, we're sort of looking at things. We're, we're we're looking at things from the other end, where we start with concentration, and that builds our con- start with mindfulness, sorry, and that builds our concentration. If we start with concentration, sometimes we can get focused on what is not real, We get focused on uh, abstract concepts, or focused on um, states of calm. Sometimes our mind gets so fixed on one object that we are not able to see the rea- the other realities as they're arising. We sort of forget to look at, at what's going on. Confidence is another one. Sometimes if we have lots of confidence, if we emphasize confidence, people get so confident and so sure of themselves that they can easily get off track. So here we're, we're focusing on sort of a work that we have to do, and the work we have to do is to use energy, to be energetic, and to see clearly the objects as they arise, and to not forget them for what they are. Not forget that o- that essence, the kernel of ultimate reality which is there, whether it be in the body or in the feelings or in our thoughts or in our our judgments our likings or dislikings or so on so and the final thing I want to talk about is uh, what did the Buddha said said next about what we what we're trying to do in the practice is we're trying to give up liking and disliking he said he said two parts first he said. Uh, api, uh, we're giving up in the world We're giving up Apicca is liking and tomanasa is disliking Giving up both of these things Because when we practice meditation we have no more delusion We have no more misunderstanding It's like we've got this bright light shining on everything we do And so as a result this is this is where it's going It's burning up these things giving up these stains and the final thing that the Lord Buddha said is that, uh, that it holds on we hold on to nothing in the world so in the practice of meditation it's important to understand that here we're coming to let go of everything really we come to see the world in a different way the normal ordinary way for people to look at the world is that like a person who is falling, A person who is clinging to the side of a cliff uh, in fear that they're going to fall. And you see that so we're always in this state of holding on to things because we're afraid if we let go we'll lose everything. We're going to fall. We're going to go down. We live in this constant fear and this constant stress and so we hold on to everything. The Lord Buddha said we don't hold on to anything in the world. In fact in other places he said there's nothing, there's nothing in the world He said, one of the most important things you can learn in the very beginning of your practice is you should be aware of the fact that nothing in the world is worth clinging to. Nothing in this world. So we change from this person who is afraid of clinging, afraid of letting go, who's holding on to this side of the cliff, afraid that they're going to fall. We realize that if we let go, actually we start to fly. Instead of someone who's falling, we realize we're... We're actually more like a bird, and when we let go we can finally fly. Clinging to the side of this cliff, we don't realize that when we let go we, f- we start flying. And the meaning here is that we, we get everything. Suddenly there's nothing that we're lacking, because there's nothing that we need. And we can live our lives flying like a bird, free like a bird, instead of this uh, thinking that we're, like we're clinging to the side of a cliff afraid about to fall. When we let go, then finally we can fly, finally we can be free. So this is sort of a basic understanding of, of what we're doing. The most important thing is to understand about this, this moment of mindfulness. That when we practice meditation, we have to create these moments. We have to create as many moments as we can, because this is a moment of, of pure awareness, where the mind is Pure. The mind is no longer liking or disliking, no longer angry or upset. At the moment when we say to ourselves, liking, liking, or disliking, or pain, pain, or even just the simple walking, walking, stepping, right, stepping, when we sit and we say, rising, falling, when we're finally able to do this, when we train ourselves in this way, then our mind doesn't chase after things and doesn't run away from things. So this basic Fundamental Acknowledgement or noting Remembering things for what they are Reminding ourselves It's only that, it's only pain Nothing else We say to ourselves Pain, pain and so on This is the most important part of the practice And this is what I have to Impress upon all of you So today I'll, I'll Leave you with this And let you continue on with your practice. At three o'clock we have reporting. Tomorrow is in Thai, so people who don't understand Thai don't have to come. Uh, On odd number days it's all Thai, so there's no need for people who don't understand don't have to come. Okay, that's all for today.